Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. I'm your host, Jessica Stipe, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing food safety. I'm very excited to have guest expert, Trevor Gilbert, who is a produce safety expert. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this field? Well, thanks again for having the FDA on this episode of your podcast. We're very delighted to share um, information on produce safety in general, but a little bit about myself. I spent my entire career in the produce industry. Firstly, you know, as an agricultural extension agent in my native island of St. Vincent and the Guadalines. And there I worked exclusively with the farming communities and all aspects of agriculture production, from farm activities you know, at the farm level all the way to marketing. Then I joined the USDA AMS Specialty Crops Inspection Division, which was at the time formerly known as the Fresh Products Branch. There, I actually worked in a supervisory capacity on the inspection services in the terminal market, supervising inspections of the fruits and vegetable produce under applicable U.S. grade standards. And also, I pro- provided gap audit services across the uh, U.S. and um, Commonwealth of Puerto Rico as well as a licensed certified gap auditor. So with the advent of FISMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act, as we know it, mm-hmm. I joined the FDA Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition, which is SIFSAN, to be part of the Produce Safety Network. And the primary goal of the Produce Safety Network is to provide education and outreach to the farming community on the FISMA Produce Safety Rules to help in understanding and implementation of the new rules. And that sort of fits exactly, you know, one of my specialty areas of working exclusively with the farming community. And there you go, um, from where I were to where I am at this moment. Well, you've had an incredible journey along the way, that's for sure, Trevor. Just to kind of dive into this with our listeners. So it's my understanding that in 1927, the USDA's Bureau of Chemistry was reorganized and they renamed the Food, Drug and Insecticide Administration. um, And they renamed it as the Food and Drug Administration of the FDA. And in 1938, Congress passed the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, which gave the FDA the authority to issue food safety standards, among other authorities. So with all of that, what really are the food safety standards for our listeners that don't truly understand? Well, just to put this into perspective, you know, about 48 million people in the U.S., which really amounts to one in every six, get sick. Mm-hmm. You know, about 120,000 people are hospitalized and 3,000 die each year from foodborne diseases. And that's according to recent data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Mm -hmm. FASMA was signed into law in the wake of mounting concerns by consumers and lawmakers about outbreaks of foodborne illness that kill thousands of people and animals every year. Right. So what followed was an unprecedented effort by FDA to involve the diverse landscape of food safety stakeholders, industry growers, manufacturers, importers, distributors, 
consumer group mm-hmm. and academia in the formation of rules that are practical, flexible, and effective for the food industry at home and abroad while protecting public health from contaminated food. Right. So in relation to these standards, though, to prevent illnesses, FESMA creates a blueprint for the most sweeping changes to the nation's food protection system in FDA's history. Right. And in fact, you know, this was since Theodore Roosevelt was president, so it's gone back a long way. Right. The, the vision of FISMO really is that the controls that food producers in the farm, factory, systematically put in place will protect food from bacterial, chemical, and physical hazards. Yeah, the requirements basically applies to both domestic and foreign food producers right. and uh, to establish the same level of public health protection for all foods consumed in the United States. So whether or not they are produced locally or imported. Right. Well, clearly, like I said, with so many people getting sick and so many different foodborne illnesses, I know that that's one of the reasons that the FDA chose to regulate food safety. Are there other reasons? Well, the produce safety standards really, what it does is actually establishes, you know, science-based minimum standards for the safe growing, harvesting, packing, and holding of fruits and vegetables that's grown for human consumption. So it's really in a, a total system approach, you know, to food safety. Um, uh, it, once the rule was finalized, you know, back in 2016, you know, the first compliance date arrived in January 26, 2018. So as we know, you know, producers usually grow outdoors in the soil, you right. know, with influences from the weather and other environmental factors, and often does not receive the sort of treatment after harvesting that will adequately remove the you know, pathogens that can cause human illnesses. Right. So the em- so the emphasis, you know, with the um, food safety standards or the FESMA rule, is really is to put emphasis on preventive measures, you know, throughout the whole growing, harvesting, packing, and holding. If you notice, you know, it's a complete cycle of the produce to reduce the incidence uh, where contamination can occur and, over- and lead to um, illness outbreaks. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I know like in, in regards of the produce safety rule, the regulation focuses on setting the first ever federal regulatory standards um, for the production, harvest, and handling of fruits and vegetables in an effort to prevent microbial contamination and reduce foodborne illnesses associated with fresh produce. So how do you feel like the produce safety rule has changed the food safety standards? Well, the produce safety rule requires like covered farms to take appropriate measures to minimize the risk Mm -hmm. of serious adverse health consequences or death from the use of or exposed to contaminated produce. Right. And include those measures reasonably necessary to prevent the introduction of known or reasonably possible hazards as well into covered produce. And also to provide the reasonable assurances that the produce is not adulterated under Section 402 of the Federal Food Drug and Cosmetic Act. Okay. You know, so again, so basically, really and truly, the change that we... Um, talking about here is that it's the focus on the major routes of contamination, you know, which is actually covers a variety of conditions and practices that may contaminate, you know, uh, or contribute to microbial contamination of fresh produce. And those will include like agricultural water, right? you know, biological soil amendments of animal origin as referred to as new or compost. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we look at uh, change worker health and hygiene, you know, look at equipment, tools that's used in the operation, both on the farm, you know, moving the product from the farm to the packing houses and also in the packing house and distribution of the product. Buildings and sanitation, we look at domesticating and wild animals, and we look at activities as, as they relate to growing, harvesting, and packing and holding up the product. And also, we do have specific requirements for sprout producers as well. Amazing. I think so many people need to hear this so they can understand how important the FDA really is in, in making sure that we have these food safety guidelines. Well, as for me, you know that we, we do a lot here with organic food. And organic food and conventional food are comparable in terms of safety and nutritional value. And from what we know, researchers have found no difference in the risk for contamination with food poisoning, bacterial in general, when it comes to organic and conventional food. What are some of the issues that arise with you all when talking about organic agriculture and food safety? Well, first off, the, uh, the produce safety rule does not prohibit composting. As a matter of fact, the FDA recognizes okay. the importance of composting to soil health. However, when compost is generated from materials of animal origin, then the produce safety rule establishes requirements for its use, and in this case, for its safe use. Basically, you know, the, the produce safety rule encourages the use of treated forms of biological soil amendments of animal origin, which we call, for example, compost, when feasible, in okay. lieu of untreated biological soil amendments, you know, such as raw manure, farming the soil intended to grow covered commodities. So basically, composting when used in accordance with the produce safety application requirements has been shown to be safe and effective in enhancing both soil and plant health. Very good. And as far as like the, the food safety risk, like with, with raw manure and compost, what mitigation strategies exist to reduce the food safety well, risk? Well, that's a really, really important aspect in the use of um, uh, biological soil amendments of animal origin and how it relates to the produce safety rule. You know, it's really, what's key here is that before use, the grower must determine if the biological soil amendment of animal origin, as we say, manure or compost, if it's treated or if it's untreated. And as also as to the level of treatment, you know, in accordance to the applicable requirements specified in the produce safety rule. So generally speaking, if it's untreated, the rule specifies that the, the amendment must be applied in a manner that does not contact covered produce during application and also in a manner that minimizes the potential for contact with covered produce after application. In, if it's a treated biological soil amendment of animal origin, then it can be applied in a manner that minimizes the potential for contact with covered produce during and after application. So the difference really here is untreated, there must not be contact, or you know, before application right. and if it's treated, there must be minimal contact before at application. Well, that makes sense. Also, overall, the, one of the key aspects where compost or manure is concerned, where the rule is covered to, is that in all instances, you know, the biological soil amendment, be it treated or untreated, must be handled, conveyed and stored in a manner and location such that it does not become a potential for a source of contamination to the covered produce, to the food surfaces, any areas, you know, used for covered activity, your water sources, your water distribution systems, you know, and any other soil amendments, yeah, mm-hmm. because a treated soil amendment can 
easily become untreated, you know, if these conditions are not met, you know, satisfactorily. So that's also a key area of consideration to where use of. Absolutely. Like I said, I work within the field, so I, I like to feel like I know <laughs> bits and pieces, but um, this is all really helpful and, and educational to really know what happens and in, in the, the standards that you guys have set and the measures that you take to make sure that we are protected. Now, as you probably know, Florida is kind of an interesting state for state regulations because we have three different agencies responsible for regulating restaurants and retail food stores. How does the FDA work with different states to implement the food safety rules? Well, the FDA focuses on two key approaches, you know, when working with the states, you know, to implement the produce safety rule. One is partnerships, you know, like with everything else, partnerships are key to successful implementation of the produce safety rule. That being said, the FDA is partnering with multiple organizations in the Florida Department of Agriculture, you know, even with FOG, you know, in many of the outreach activities we have done at conferences hosted by FOG as well. And um, organizations could be domestic, domestically or internationally. We also work very closely with the farming communities, government agencies, academia, food, food safety professional organizations, and other partners to develop and implement our educational outreach campaign on food safety practices and also on the requirements of the produce safety rule, which will be very targeted to growers. With our partnerships, you know, the FDA also has a cooperative agreement with NASDA, which is the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. And through our agreement, you know, we are working to develop strategies related to farmer and regulator education and inspection. Another of our key leverage, you know, that the FDA used, I mean, as I said, was two main focus, focal points is leveraging. You know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, FDA recognizes many produce safety initiatives with significant farmer contribution systems have already been implemented through private audits, you know, through farm associations, through USDA, AMS, and other organizations. So FDA, you know, explore ways to leverage these programs to assist you know, in targeting the resource allocation, you know, with a risk-based approach. You know, uh, for example, one such leverage we have successfully done is in back in June 2018, the FDA and the USDA announced the alignment of the USDA Harmonized Good Agricultural Practices or the program, which is the USDA age gap, right. with the requirements of the produce safety rules. Right. And what that really means is that, you know, while the requirements of both programs are not identical, you know, the, just the relevant technical components mm-hmm. of the FDA producer tool are covered in the USDA HCAP or the program. It includes, mm-hmm. you know, such as biological amendments, sprouts, domesticated wild animals, worker training, health and hygiene, equipment tools, buildings. So if somebody is doing an HCAP audit, those sectors will be covered in the audit as well, so, you know, as would be with the producer. Mm-hmm. But what does this mean for farmers? It really actually helps farmers by enabling them to assess their food safety practices, you know, as they prepare to comply with the produce safety rule. And that being said, it means it's a stepping stone to really, you know, um, getting compliance with the rule. But very clearly, you know, the USDA audits are not a substitute for the FDA or state regulatory inspections. But again, 
it's it's a stepping stone in the right direction to helping them comply with the producer tool requirements. No, absolutely. It definitely is a step, a, a stepping stone for them. Um, and speaking of farmers, I mean, farmers are always looking for, for resources and help. What food safety resources are available for farmers? Oh, we have several. Within the PSA, uh, the uh, FDA Produce Safety Network, you know, it's a resource that's available to the uh, stakeholders and our farming communities. So when the produce sector became finally November 20, 20, 2015, the FDA began the process of building what we call the produce safety network, of which I am a member, to support the efforts of farmers, regulators, key stakeholders like like FOG, you know, to implement the rule. So mm-hmm. how it is made up, the network consists of the produce safety experts, as we are referred to, you know, and we are located in various locations throughout the country. You know, so we have two arms of the produce safety network. One is from the, the system side, which is the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition, which is what I represent. We mostly cover the education outreach, you know, to the farming community, to our collaborators. And then we have the Office of Regulatory Affairs sector of the produce safety network. And they basically will comprise of investigators and inspectors that deals with, you know, compliance to the produce safety rules. So we work closely with our produce stakeholders with our state programs. Definitely. That's incredible. And it, it's it's great that there are so many resources available. Yeah, I just want to mention another key resource that I uh, must make mention really is the development of guidance documents on the implementation and compliance. This is really, really very important for for farmers and the stakeholders to be aware because the guidance documents, you know, we do have a draft guidance, you know, that's already published, you know, on the FDA website. Even they do not establish legally enforceable responsibilities, it actually describes the FDA's current thinking on topic areas, you know, and provide, you know, very practical recommendations, you know, that may be uh, very useful to help gain compliance with the rules, you know, and um, so again, you know, they also at a glance fact sheet that are uh, being created, you know, that gives an overview of the key points mm-hmm. in each of the chapters of the draft guidance as well. Very nice. So, Trevor, if I was, or if we have any of our consumers or any farmers who are just new farmers and don't really know where they could reach out, if I was a consumer that had a question about food safety and, and wanted more information or a farmer that's just starting out and really wanted to know more about the resources available to me, um, where would I reach out? Where would you direct me to go to get the information that I need? Well, we have several options. One, still with the FDA as a resource, we have what we call the FDA FISMER Technical Assistance Network. That's a portal that FDA created to address answers to any regulation and policy interpretation. Okay. We have also the training and technical assistance that has been provided in collaboration with our cooperative agreements with the states. We also, through our cooperative agreement with states, we, you know, the farmers can contact the local food safety division within the State Department of Agriculture. For example, through our cooperative agreement with Florida, Florida FDACs, is administering the food safety um, program under FISMA. So farmers can contact FDAX directly. And um, again, that's a, a direct source of um, you know, information. You know, and, as, and the FDA, we do work you know, very closely with our state counterparts in that regard. Amazing. So there's all kinds of resources available for farmers and for consumers where the FDA can reach out and help. Trevor, do you feel like there's anything else that is really important that you want to share with our listeners today? 
Uh, yes, we do have some voluntary programs that are available for girls, can be administered by the FBA Producive Network regional staff, and uh, by the Cooperative Extension, and also by our state partners. One such program that has been developed in collaboration with our NASDA partners is the On-Farm Readings Review Program, which is commonly known as the OFRR. You know, and what this does is that it actually helps the farm operation to determine the readiness to comply with the produce safety rule. You know, it promotes compliance with the produce safety rule as well, you know, because it helps to increase the understanding of the regulatory language. You know, it's done in a collaborative effort, so it promotes coordination between the industry, government, you know, producing the partners as well, and it provides on-farm learning experiences. So we can identify knowledge gaps, you know, that can be helped in providing updated training. And most importantly, it's voluntary. Another point of contact for a farmers within Florida, for example, are interested in participating in this program, then they can just contact the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. And um, there is a link on their website to FISMA and resources and the on-farmers review program or services is one of such that would be available to the farming community. Another resource that we have as well for farmers is what we refer to as the educational farm visit, you know, mm-hmm. and um, we do conduct these domestically and internationally. And as was said earlier, the producers do apply to produce that's grown locally and also to produce that is actually offered for export into the U.S. So it's an opportunity to learn more about unique green conditions, you know, practices, Complaints, challenges, and also to interact with growers, hear their perspectives. We love to hear directly from the growers as well, and this gives the opportunity to hear from them what's working, what are some of the challenges, and what we can do to help in understanding of the regulation itself. You know, so we do share, uh, have that sharing of information. You know, in a two-way stream. That's amazing. There's so much out there that that can really help our farmers and our consumers to educate themselves more on food safety guidelines. Trevor, I thank you so much. You have given us so much information today and you provided so many different resources for our farmers and consumers to reach out and to further educate themselves. And we're just so grateful and thankful to have you specifically here to educate everyone as well as the FDA that really helps us uh, make sure that the food that we're consuming is safe. So once again, I thank you so much for the time that you've taken to spend with us today to educate our consumers on the different issues with food safety and and what the FDA does to regulate food safety. And thanks again. It has been a pleasure to be on this episode. and look forward to chatting with you more. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Well, as always, I'm your host, Jessica Stipe, the Education and Outreach Director for Florida Organic Growers and Consumers. If you'd like more information on this topic, please reach out to me, and I'll be glad to connect you with the FDA. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 